Hey, welcome to Victory Church. How you doing this morning? I know it's, I know anytime that you're in a presence like that where you feel kind of the weight of an intimate setting, there's always that moment where you try to transition into casual conversation. And I'll just be honest with you, I, I think I'm on assignment today. I don't normally say things like this, but I, I'm convinced that the word that I have for you is exactly the assignment that God has me on today for you to hear. And so whether you're with us in person or whether you're watching online, I'm actually really excited about it. Do me a favor. If you're, if you're sitting near somebody, look at them and say, God knew you were going to be here. Tell them. Say, God knew. I need you to talk a little bit. All right. Give me some volume. Say, God knew. Scream at them. God knew you were going to be here. All right. We woke up a little bit. That's, thank you, sir. Hey, can we just give it up real quick for our worship team? Can we just put our hands together? Man, if you call Victory Church your home, you are the most blessed church and what you get to experience every Sunday through worship. And I try to say this as much as I can about all of our teams, not only worship, but our production team that's in the back. Come on, let's give them a hand real quick. They're serving. They're, uh, they're always the ones in the dark shadows lurking around, making everything happen. But our V Kids team, our first impressions team that does a phenomenal job at setting the atmosphere, these people serve so relentlessly and they serve so unselfishly. They are so focused on being able to make a great uh, atmosphere for you. And what I love about our team the most is how humble they are. They are just really here wanting to experience God and help you experience God. So it's a really awesome thing. And so let me give you just a couple of quick announcements before we dive into it today. First of all, if you are visiting with us, I want to encourage you to text to connect with us. So if you're visiting with us today, you can text the number that's coming up on the screen if you're watching online for the first time. And this goes for two different kinds of people. If this is your first time here, this is an opportunity to do that. Or maybe you've been coming for a while, but you haven't really had that opportunity to connect. You've been kind of coming in, experiencing the service, and kind of sneaking out. Hey, that's fine. You can do that all you want to. But we would actually absolutely love to meet you. We'd love to be able to give you any information we can at getting you more involved. So if you'll do that, if you'll text to the number, so the number is 31996, and in that little message area, you put Victory 18. That's going to send you a digital connection card. You can fill that out. I'll get that uh, throughout the week, and we'll be able to reach out and connect to you and do our best to answer any of your questions. Also, if you have any questions about giving, you say, I'd like to give, I don't know how to give. We have three ways to give here at Victory. First is you can do it online through our website. You can do it through our app. You can also text to give. Information is on the screen. As well as when you leave, there's a black box in the back that you're able to put cash or check or anything like that. Uh, we, we are so thankful for all of our faithful givers in Victory Church. And I do want to share, I, I often forget to, to share with you guys some of the incredible things that we're doing with the support that you have with Victory. Not only do we have a lot of outreach things lining up, I got some pretty cool stuff for 4th of July, but I do want to let you know that we were recently able to provide breakfast for all of the teachers here at Rock Springs Middle School because of your faithfulness. There we go. Yep, that was incredible. Just an incredible opportunity. We love our teachers here. Um, Another ministry that we, con we consistently are faithful to giving to is a ministry called Operation Saving Lives, and it is just a phenomenal ministry that, that meets with or, or tries to engage with families that are considering abortion, and they talk with them and try to walk through some alternative options, and it's really incredible, and God has done some phenomenal things, and the leader of that ministry, Scott Horde, is a great friend of mine, and he is going to be here in a couple weeks to preach, so let me give you some calendar items real quick, um, text to give, text to connect, but here's some calendar items. This one is probably the most important because it's definitely going to affect every one of you. Next Sunday, we will not be meeting in person, okay? So it's Memorial Day weekend. We know that everybody's going to be kind of uh, spending time with their family, enjoying the weather. So do not come to church campus. If you do, you won't be able to get in, okay? So you can watch online. We'll have a ministry going on online. But next Sunday, no in-person service. We will be right back in church the next Sunday, which I believe is June 6th, I believe. So Memorial Day weekend. Everybody say this with me. Online, online. only. All right, tell everybody you know, so I don't want a bunch of people hanging out in the, in the outside of the school going, Troy, where are you? Um, so online only. The next weekend, which I believe is June 6th, is the weekend that my buddy Scott Horde will be here. So he'll be here sharing about that ministry. Phenomenal story, phenomenal testimony. You do not want to miss it. I guarantee you there won't be a dry eye in the house, and I guarantee you after it's over, you'll go, I want to meet that guy. He has just been a great friend to me, an incredible person. And then June 27th, here's the last date, June 27th, put it on your calendar. Let's get ready for our church picnic. Come on, let me hear you. Yeah! We're going to have all kinds of stuff, volleyball, frisbee, food, and here's what we're doing. You ready? 
We want to provide a bake-off contest, right? Like a dessert contest, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put out a registration where you can sign up and say what you, you don't have to say what you're going to bring, but you got to bring dessert. We're going to have taste testers who will taste a little bit of each dessert and pick a winner, and then all the desserts will be open for everybody at the picnic to eat. We did this a couple years ago before COVID. It was a huge hit. The winner of the best dessert gets a $150 gift card to Lowe's, all right? So I need y'all to bring, I need you to get great, great, great grandma's recipe out and come with something good. I know I'm going to be a taste tester because I pastor the church and that's what I get to do, okay? Um, and so, so bring all of your, I probably won't, they probably won't let me, but, but bring your desserts, get ready, register for it. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be on a Sunday afternoon. We're going to be at the park, sports, hanging out. It's going to be a great time. Amen? All right, you ready for the word? Here we go. Get your Bibles open to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. As you're turning, let me, let me help you uh, remember where we left off. So Peter and John are leading the disciples, the apostles, the, the people who are following Christ. They're all uh, doing the best they can to share the message of Jesus. And so they end up coming, going to, to uh, church to pray, and they come across this man who's been lame, and he's in front of the gate called Beautiful, and they say, he's begging for money. They say, hey, we can't give you money, but what we can do is we can give you the healing power in the name of Jesus Christ, and he's healed, and he starts dancing and praising and going crazy, and it's awesome, and then he runs in to the church, and he's going awesome, going praising, going crazy, and it kind of starts this movement. People start going, hey, we really need to shut this thing down because now it's getting popular, and people starting to hear about the name of Jesus, and, and change is happening, and it's so many cool things. And then all of a sudden, Acts chapter 5 happens, and you're going to see as we read, it kind of feels like it's a little misplaced. Like, when we start to read it, you're kind of like, that seems odd that it would be here now. So I want to read it, and then I'm going to show you how it is just on time for us today. So Acts chapter 5, we'll start at verse 1, and it says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. So we'll talk about that a little bit later, but they sold a piece of property, and with his wife's full knowledge, that's important, ladies, with his wife's full knowledge, she knew about it, he kept back part of the money for himself, but then he brought the rest of it, and he put it at the apostles' feet, and then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit, and you've kept for yourself some of the money that you received for the land. So you sold the land, and then you gave money to us, saying it was all of the money, but it wasn't. How could you do this? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? Wasn't it your property? And after it was sold, wasn't it your money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not just lied to human beings, but you've also lied to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died. And great fear seized all who had heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, carried him out, and they buried him. And about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And then Peter asked her, hey, tell me, is this the price that you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen. The feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet, and she died. And then the young man came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. I, I do believe that I have been given an assignment for today, an assignment that's not just for me to hear but for you to hear, and I, I want you to kind of help me get this ball rolling, and those of you that are by somebody, I want you to look at them, and I want you to give them the title of the assignment. You ready? So, so get them ready, look at them, and look at them and say this, forget the filter. Forget the filter. Say it, say forget the filter. How, how many of you are social media people, okay? So, so here's how we're going to judge this. Um, if you are currently active on Facebook, raise your hand. Let's just see. If you're currently active on Facebook, okay, a few of you. If you are currently active on Instagram, raise your hand. Let's see. All right, got a couple of them. All right, and then last but not least, if you're currently uh, active on Snapchat or TikTok, raise your hand. All right, <laughs> I love it. Okay, so, so here's how I judge it. 
If you're currently active on Facebook, that, that's nothing special. You're not a big social media person. You're just on Facebook. If you're, if you're currently active on Instagram, you're kind of a social media person because it's just posting pictures. But if you are on Snapchat and TikTok, you are a social media person. Nothing wrong with that, just stating a point, all right? Because recently, I decided that I didn't want to be as heavy on social media. I'd never been a Snapchat, TikTok person. I don't really know how to do all that. But I got rid of Instagram, and I had just Facebook. And I was at the point where I was never getting on Facebook. If somebody commented on something, I just would read it, but I wouldn't speak about it. And then recently, I decided that I wanted to kind of be a little bit more active. I wanted you guys to know what's happening throughout the week at the church, and that I get to meet with this person, or I get to be at that meeting, or I got an opportunity to marry a couple that goes to our church yesterday. And so, it's, you know, it's just an opportunity to be involved. But I'm still not crazy active. But let me tell you what I do love. Because Darla is active. She's very active. She sells Arbonne, so she's always on there. But every once in a while, she'll call me over to her, and she'll be on Instagram. And she'll be on the video of Instagram, and they have these filters. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, like you can see yourself in video form, and then you can scroll at the bottom, and it'll make you look all kinds of different ways. So like you scroll one, it might give you like these cartoon dog ears, or it might make your tongue wag out. Or, you know, there's these ones that, like, sometimes your face is, like, sucked in or your face is blown out or, you know, the wrinkles are gone. And I just have a blast with it. We'll get on the couch and me and Casey Ray, and we'll just be making faces. I don't ever let her post any of it because I don't want y'all judging me, but I, I have a great time doing it. Like, I like looking at me, and I don't know if it's because, because I'm all filtered and altered I can't wrestle with whether or not I like the way I look, right, because I'm supposed to look goofy, so it kind of works out. But again, I'm just learning how popular filters are today. Now listen, when we first read the verses in Acts chapter 5, when we read about Ananias and Sapphira, it feels more like an old covenant story than it does a new covenant story. Now if you don't know what I'm talking about, we preached in the book of John during a series called, uh, or during the series, I don't remember the actual sermon, but we talked about how pre-Jesus, there was this old covenant for religion and how you should act and things you should do. And then Jesus came on the scene and he flipped that and he started what he calls a new covenant. And the new covenant was no longer about you and your performance. It was all about what Jesus did and you worshiping Jesus. So that's what I mean by old covenant, new covenant. And when I read... Ananias and Sapphira, I feel like it's a little bit more old than it is new. Another way to say it would be this. It's a story that I feel like is a little bit more pre-Jesus than post-Jesus, right? And mostly, here's the reason. Mostly the reason that I see it as a pre-Jesus or an old covenant type story is because it's all about appearance over authenticity. When you read through that story, what actually happens with Ananias and Sapphira is founded on the idea that appearance is greater than authenticity. And before Jesus showed up, matter of fact, the first couple years that Jesus was here, this was still going on, but religious leaders were all about appearance, not about authenticity. For example, uh, they would often wear you know, like extra long garments and that, that would get attention, and they meant certain things about what kind of education they had and, and, and how high up the ladder they were, and they would walk around town in these long garments so that everybody could see how spiritual they were. Or they would, uh, Bible says, Jesus actually said this, they would go to like the street corners and pray. And they would like stand on the street corners and pray out loud and wail and all this so that people would see them and hear them and go, oh, they're so spiritual, when they would fast, they would walk around looking all pitiful so that people would go, oh, are you fasting? How long has it been since you haven't eaten? Oh, I haven't eaten in 10 days. Oh, wow, you're so holy. They, they would even wear these little leather boxes, sometimes on their heads, sometimes on their arms and so on. And what they would do is they would keep on paper written scriptures from the Torah. It was all a show. It, it was all about appearance. But their actual life wasn't always lining up with the way they appeared. So again, they appeared one way, but it might not be authentic. And as the religious leaders continued to put these filters on themselves, this, this filter of prayer, this filter of holy garments, or this 
filter of uh, tradition and processes. Eventually, they begin to filter the scriptures. They started adding on to the commandments. And then eventually, the message of the gospel became more about our appearance than his affection. Religious religion had this filter on that it was all about appearance over authenticity, and it slowly moved into where now the, even the gospel, you take now today in our culture, the local church, people have this vibe that it's way more about how you appear and less about how much he loves you. Matter of fact, being in the South, a lot of you might have a story where you have engaged with somebody before who was religious, and the whole interaction was way more about how you didn't measure up or how you didn't look the right way or act the right way, and it was all about your appearance and not about his affection. And for some reason, even though I believe there are great churches and great people out there preaching against it, that still has leaked its way into our culture. And a lot of us, so many of us, are walking around and we're exhausted and we're tired and we're angry and we're worn out because we are constantly, watch this, trying to present the me that we want everyone to see. We work so hard being able to display and put out this, this version of me that I want everyone to see. Now, for me to really help you understand Acts 5, we got to go back to Acts 4 for a second, okay? We did not read this last week as we closed up Acts 4, but you're going to look at verses 36 and 37, all right? Now, before I read that, let me explain to you that, okay? So let me set you up for this. If you recall, in the sermon we did commitment issues, we talked about how the disciples, the apostles of Christ, they started dedicating themselves to certain things. They dedicated to going to church. They dedicated themselves to uh, prayer. They dedicated themselves to fellowshipping together and eating together. And one of the things we said they dedicated themselves to was a life of generosity. And so what they would do is a lot of times if they had extra, they would give it to somebody. So if they had something, they might sell it and give it to somebody. This was a common thing. It wasn't a command from God per se, it wasn't like, hey, you need to sell that house or you need to sell that boat or you need to sell that shirt and give that money. They were just so moved by the presence of God that they wanted to be generous to those who were in need. So if they had something that they didn't need, they sold it and then they gave the money to the church and the church was able to give it to who was in need. This was a common practice, okay? So now in Acts chapter four, we're introduced to Barnabas. And what the Bible's telling us is that Barnabas who obviously was wealthy, but he was also a great man of encouragement, decided that he was going to sell an entire field, okay? He sold an entire, no, the, 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 the wedding I did yesterday, the guy had bought his house because he had sold pieces of land to pay off the house. So land is expensive, right? So he sells this field that he owns, and he decides, Barnabas decides, that he's going to go give the entire amount of money to the church. So he lays it at the apostles' feet. Nobody told him he had to. This was Barnabas's choice, okay? Now, I'm not talking about tithing. Don't go, well, choice that we don't have to give. It's not what I'm talking about. I'll preach about that later. What I'm talking about is as this guy got this generous money, he decided in his heart that he was going to go and give it back, okay? So Barnabas sold a field he owned, and he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet, Acts 4. Now you shoot back to Acts 5, and it said that Ananias and Sapphira also sold a piece of property. Now here's what happened. Ananias and Sapphira saw all the praise that Barnabas got, all the respect that Barnabas got, probably all the attentions and the yays and the likes that Barnabas got, and they said, man, we want that. We, we want to be respected like Barnabas. We want to be liked like Barnabas. Well, what can we do? Well, let's sell our property and give the money to the church. And then they were like, well, <laughs> I don't know if we're as generous as Barnabas. Like, I don't know that we could get away with that. And so what do you do? Well, let's just give a percentage of it. Okay, cool. They're talking back and forth. And at some point they decided that they were going to give some of it to the church. But here's the problem. When they went to give it, they lied and they said that it was all of the money. Now let's go back for a second. God didn't ask them to do this. He didn't demand them to do this. They just chose because they wanted 
all of the attention that Barnabas had, but they didn't want to be responsible for the sacrifices that he had made. Their desire was to appear generous while not actually being generous, right? I want to appear faithful without actually being faithful. I want to appear nice without actually being nice. It's interesting to me that even back then, there was this internal desire to appear better than we actually are in hopes that others will believe it. Isn't that interesting? That even back then, there was something going on inside of them that said, hey, instead of just being who we are, instead of just going up and admitting what we can do, instead of being wide open about our shortcomings, instead of just letting Barnabas get praised for being Barnabas and us get praised for being Ananias and Sapphira, let's put on a filter. Let's appear like we're better than we actually are so that we can get hollow likes. The part that gets me the most is that God didn't ask them to do this. Like, like there's no command. It'd be one thing if God said, give all of it, and then you chose not to give all of it because you didn't trust God enough, and so on, so on. But God would have been perfectly fine if they would have given 1% of it, right? God would have been like, that's what I'm talking about, A and S, or whatever he calls them. Like, great job, you did, because I didn't ask you. Because Listen, there's something that God loves about you giving when he doesn't have to ask you to give. But he doesn't put a percentage on it. He doesn't ask you. It's just, what, what do you have? What's moving in your heart? And so for Ananias and Sapphira to give anything would have been a praise to God. They would have, Peter would have said, man, great job. Barnabas might have been over there in the corner going, that's what I'm talking about. But instead, they wanted to appear one way. And, and I'll even tell you this. I, I've been studying a lot on this recently. But when you really look at it, we assume God killed them. That's kind of our assumption, right? One, because we know Old Testament God and how, you know, you, know, you look back and you get turned into a pillar of salt and all these kind of things. So we assume God killed them. Um, and or maybe you're one of those people that say, well, God's kind of in charge of everybody ultimately dying or not dying. Like, I understand what you're saying. But if you really read into those scriptures, God doesn't kill them. They die. And the, and the theologians that I've been studying put it like this, that Ananias and Sapphira were so overwhelmed with the stress and the humiliation and the fear and all the emotions that go with trying to be somebody that they aren't, that it killed them. So here's my question ultimately for you, just to see if I'm talking to the right audience. Is anyone else in here stressed out trying to maintain an appearance that is better than you actually are? Anybody? See if I'm by myself. Thank you. Got a couple of honest people. Stressed out from constantly trying to, to maintain and keep up with this appearance that's honestly better than I actually am. Why are we killing ourselves trying to present, watch this, this me that we want everyone else to see. We're exhausted because we have to present the me that we want everyone to see. One of my biggest issues with social media, um, which is why I got off Instagram to begin with, is because it's so easy to trick people into think that you're doing better than you actually are. You know what I mean? Like, you'll, like when people post things, like they might post, like they're a picture of, of them on the beach, but you know they got five kids. And I've been to the beach with two kids. And I know it's nothing like those pictures. So I don't know who they are trying to lie to, but they're not lying to me. You were not sitting there peacefully reading a book on the beach. You were in the water with seaweed hanging off both ears because one kid decided to swallow all the salt water. You know what I mean? Or you get that person who's like putting the dinner meal on Instagram and you're looking at it and naturally you're like, man, I wish I could cook like that. First of all, they went and bought that from somewhere and put it on a plate and moved it around. But, but what, here's what they're not showing you is how messy the kitchen is, right? How much money they spent on the ingredients, how much time it took them to do it. 
and the fact that they will never do it again. Because in and out what is it? What's the place called? Not In-N-Out. I'm in, I'm in California right now. Uh, what, is, what is the, I can't even think what it's called. But Chick-fil-A is cheaper, right? We'll just start with Chick-fil-A. Talk about them on Sunday. Um, so not doing it again. So anyway, so I found this, this photographer that set out to kind of dethrone or, or, you know, reveal the fakeness, I guess you might say, of Instagram. And so this is pretty cool. I'm going to show you these pictures up here on these screens. But the photographer takes them. Do we have them? There we go. All right. So, th- so this is so great. So you can kind of see what would have been on Instagram, right? So you see this picture of this bike, and it's so cool. Like, if that's on Instagram, you're going to see that, and you're like, that's so cool. I want to do that. I want, how, how did I take that picture? Nobody shows you the awkwardness of you going and setting your bike in the middle of the street, right? And then walking away, and, and people are walking by going, are you an idiot? Like, what are you doing right now? Like, like, I always see people all the time post awesome selfies, and I'm like, how dumb did you look when you were in, like, you know, the mall in the, like, doing all this kind of stuff, right? All right, so give me the next one for us. Here we go. Let's see what this one is. This is so great. All right, I love this one. <laughs> love this one. She posts this. Guarantee it. You see it, you're like, I got to work out more. I got to figure out how she balanced like that so I can start balanced like that. Meanwhile, you don't see that her friend is holding her up. Like, that's uncomfortable for a friend. Let's, give me that next one. This is beautiful. Look at this. She's all, she's all sweet in the ocean. This is kind of what I was talking about. You don't see all that stuff going on beside them. They don't see the, the couple that's over there with the real loud music beside her, right, who's busting. The person on the left side who's smoking a cigarette and the wind's bringing the cigarette smoke into her face. Like, like those, those are all things I experience. That's why I know they happen. But uh, so they don't show you that. Look at this one. Here's my favorite one. This is my favorite one. L- look at the picture that gets posted with just the little, little, little laptop, and you see that picture. And you're like, oh, that's so cute. I love the way their little room's decorated. And you have no idea that it's a complete mess around it. Amen? Amen. And this is what I mean by filters. Like, Like every day, you and I are pressured by our culture and we're pressured by our own insecurities to use these different filters to create this appearance of ourselves that we believe is going to get us more likes. This is what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. They thought, if we do this, more people will like us. If I post this, more people will hit like. If we do this, people will think that we're better off than we actually are. If we do this, people will think that we are more generous than we actually are. If we do this, people will think that we're more spiritual than we actually are. And so they were using this as a filter. Meanwhile, they're hoping that they get a bunch of likes from people that ultimately people will be liking something that's not even true. It's not even true. According to multiple researches, anxiety and depression are at a record high. Record high, especially now with COVID-19, record high. But, but hear me out for a second. I don't think it's because of the pressure that God is putting on us. I, I don't think that we're full of anxiety or full of depression because God has put pressure on us to be holy and these kind of things. I think that we feel this way because we have put pressure on ourselves to appear to be something that we are not. So what we do is we spend our time, watch this, with all these, I got that the right way? Yeah. Well, with all these, these filters where we've got what we present ourselves to be versus what we actually are. So, you know, we put on a filter and we present ourselves to be wealthy. Meanwhile, all we really have is a bunch of credit card bills, right? How we appear versus what we actually are. We put on a filter and we appear to be busy. Oh, I can't, I'm busy. Can't, I'm busy. Meanwhile, we, we honestly, behind the filter, are doing nothing of real value. We're busy, but not of anything of real value. We put on a filter that, you know, I'm in control. I got this. Meanwhile, outside of the filter, everything is absolutely out of our control. Put on a filter. Our marriage is great. We're happy. Here we are. We're here together. And then behind the filter, we don't ever talk. Put it on the filter. Look at me, I'm spending time with my kids. Meanwhile, we spent more time posting and cropping the picture 
than we actually did spending with the kids, right? You've got the filter and what we are presenting, the appearance versus what is authentic. And here's what I can't seem to understand about myself, and maybe you can relate, is that sometimes, a lot of times, I put more energy into appearing one way than I will do to actually be that way. I would rather look than be. Think about how much energy we put into appearing one way. If we would put that much energy into actually being something, right? Like I, the kind of energy that we put on and all the process that we go through to, to make somebody think that we're wealthy, if we spent that kind of time budgeting ourselves, <laughs> going through some Dave Ramsey stuff, then we might actually be wealthy. All the work we go through trying to present our marriage is healthy. If we actually spent that time working on our marriage, it might actually be healthy. But for some reason, we'd rather look than be. I was reading the other day in this article, there's this thing that is happening now, and, and plastic surgeons are actually really afraid of this. Uh, it's called Snapchat dysmorphia. Snapchat dysmorphia. And what it is, is that uh, young people, a lot, of, a lot of young ladies are coming to plastic surgeons and they're giving them the pictures of what they look like in their Snapchat filter and they're asking them to do surgery on them to make them look like they do in their Snapchat filter. Like this is happening. People are putting on a filter, seeing how they look, going, oh, I like my cheeks sucked in and my nose pointy and my wrinkles gone, which who doesn't, right? So now I'm gonna go to the plastic surgeon and can you just make me look like this? I'm gonna go off script. I probably should have go off script for a second. Any of y'all friends, fans in here? Anybody like friends? You know, they're getting ready for a reunion coming up and they, they, they show some pictures of them of how they look now and they were all getting fillers and stuff back then and now that's all coming back to bite them now, right? So you got people who are out here wanting to kind of, you know, dissect and, and feel them and do all these different things themselves to make them look one way. And now you've got young people who have seen themselves in these filters and they want to look like that. And listen, this is, this is probably the biggest revelation I felt the Lord tell me. The desire to appear better than we are has caused us to fear and avoid the unfiltered version of ourselves. We are so obsessed with appearing better than we are that it literally has driven us to a place where we are afraid of and we avoid what we are actually like. We avoid what we are like without filters, just us, the real us, this is me, this is who I am, we're afraid of it, we avoid it because we've done such a good job at presenting ourselves so great, but it's not actually who we are. Now, good news this is not new. This, this attitude, this, this mindset, this desire is not new. God is not in heaven going, oh man, I've never had this happen before. What do I do with my kids while they're struggling with this? It's not happening. Matter of fact, I just showed you an Ananias and Sapphira, which we will return back to. But before it happened in the post-Christ resurrection time, it even happened in the pre-Christ ever being born time frame. But listen to me, it wasn't a filter as much as it was a veil, okay? So let me give a little bit of context. In the Old Testament before Jesus is born, God would speak through prophets and other different people that he chose to speak through. And in this particular time frame, he chose to speak through a man by the name of Moses. Moses ended up being the man who would lead the children of Israel out of slavery, and God would speak to him, and he would go and meet with God. Now, we couldn't be in the presence of God because as sinners, we, you know, people would, would have died and all those kind of things, but Moses was being granted this opportunity, so he would go and meet with God, and then he would go and give whatever God told him to the people. Well, as a result of him meeting with God, he would have this like glowing skin, okay? So his skin, just kind of imagine if I was like too close to radiation, you know, he's got this gl glowing skin. And the rumor was that he would, I've never actually put this on, so let's see how this goes. The rumor was that he would wear a veil so that the, it's gonna be really awesome. Um, if anybody's getting married, you can have this after this is over. But the rumor was, 
Or if you want to propose, this would be a great time. The rumor was that he would wear this veil over his face so that his skin and, and the glowing wouldn't get on them, right? That was kind of the rumor that was going on. So, so Moses is just kind of walking around with this veil on, but the, the understanding is that he's been impacted by the, being in the presence of God, and he doesn't want that to, to impact you, okay? Makes sense? Now, watch this. Excuse me. Now, watch this. Paul's about to bust him out, okay? So that was kind of what the understanding was, but now in 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and watch what he says. He says, we are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face, watch this, to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. So what Paul is saying is he didn't so much have the veil on to stop the presence of God leaking off of him. He didn't want people to know that the presence of God had left him. He didn't want them to know that it was now gone. So he would keep this filter on so that people wouldn't actually know his shortcomings. The veil was Moses' filter, which like us, was the way to hide what he lacked and therefore make him appear better than he was. Because as long as he had this veil on, guess what? You still thought he had the influence of the presence of God. But if you see him without the veil, now you know, oh, he's just Moses. Right? But hey, it even goes back further than that. So not only did you have a filter going on with Ananias and Sapphira, not only do you have a filter in the form of a veil through Moses, but let's go all the way back to the very first time God creates man and woman. Again, if you don't know the story, let me just tell you, God creates Adam. Out of Adam, God takes his rib, he creates woman. So now you've got man and woman. They're naked when God creates them. They don't know they're naked because they don't have the knowledge of good or evil. They just know that everything's great and everything's God. So they're living life. God says to them, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which they decide to do, being influenced by the devil. They do. And now we're going to go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, which says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. Watch this. They realized they weren't perfect. They realized something wasn't right. They, they realized, right? They realized their eyes are open. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So when God shows up, now they're covered. Now they have their version of a filter. See what I'm saying? Once again, they've got something that they think is making them appear better than they are. They're hiding, once again, their shortcomings. So it's been like this since day one, whether it's a leaf, a veil, or a filter on a social media device. We have always struggled with trying to make ourselves appear better than we actually are. And when God shows up to Adam and Eve, he says, where are you? They come out from hiding and they say, we hid because we're naked. And God says, who told you that? Who, who, who told you that you needed to cover up? Who told you that you needed to pretend that the presence of God never left you? Who told you that you needed to act like you had a perfect man? Who told you that you needed to wear a filter? Why do you feel like you need to present yourself better than you actually are. Stop it. It's exhausting. And we wear ourselves out trying to be something that we are not. And I am convinced that the message that God had for me and the message that God has for you today is simply this. Forget the filter. Forget it. Stop with it. Stop now. B because of the popularity of filters in social media, they recently came out with a hashtag that is super popular, and the hashtag is no filter. I asked Darla, I said, hey, get on Instagram and find out how many times that hashtag has been used. And the day I asked her, it had been used up to that point 281 million times. 
281 million times. Because what happens is the filter concept has become so popular that now when somebody doesn't use a filter, they need to let you know they're not using a filter by saying no filter, right? I actually read that there is a program out there called Filter Fakers to where if somebody posts a picture and says no filter, you can take that picture, run it through that program, and find out if they're telling the truth or not. See if they're lying. But I think it's just interesting that what the, the message that God has been trying to give us since Adam and Eve, all the way through Moses, all the way to Acts 5 and Ananias and Sapphira, all the way through Jesus, and even now today is, hey, just go with no filter. Just no filter. Just, just be who you are. Every, every wrinkle, every cut, every, and just walk in the beauty of the presence of God, right? So as Paul sits down to write to the church of Corinth, he says something that I feel like is important for us to read together. It's important for us to really stand on this. So if you're taking notes, and even if you're not, I want you to write down 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 18. You don't have to write the verses today, but I want you to write down that reference. Second, you can do C-O-R, kind of an abbreviation. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 18. And I want to show you what Paul says. He says, therefore, he's talking to the church in Corinth, and it's still relevant to us today. Therefore, since we have such a hope, now that hope is Jesus Christ that he's talking about. That hope is Jesus Christ dying for our sins, and now us going before God, not in who we are, but in the name of Christ. Did you know that every time that God sees you, he sees Jesus? So Paul says, hey, since we have such a hope, Jesus, we are very bold. What does he mean by bold? He means that we're bold so we take off the filter. There's so many news things out right now. When, when a celebrity posts a picture without a filter, everybody's like, she's so bold. She put her picture out there with no makeup on and no filter. She's so bold. Yeah, she's bold to you because y'all are just waiting to attack her. But this is what Paul is saying. Because we have hope, Christ... We are bold, which means we walk around in all of our imperfections because we understand that we have hope in Christ. And then he says, we're not like Moses. Here's our verse. Now, he's obviously using Moses as an illustration. He's not dissing Moses. But he says, we're not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. So we, we, don't, we don't put a filter on so that people see, don't, won't see our imperfections. He said, but their minds were made dull for to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. What is he saying? Every time religious shows up, religion shows up, we go back to appearance over authenticity. Every time we start talking about religion, the filter goes up. The veil comes back down. Every time we get into a conversation where it's about you and how good you are and how great you did and about your performance, that filter goes back up because we're nothing but dirty rags. So let's get rid of the old covenant and if somebody says something, say, well, guess what? My imperfections are in the perfection of Christ. Right? He said, it's not been removed. But here's my favorite part. Because only in Christ is it taken away. Listen, Stop trying to be great. You'll never do it. Stop trying to be perfect. You'll never do it. Just surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And the only name that can take that away from you, the only name that can bring perfection, the only name that can bring deliverance, the only name that can bring satisfaction is Christ. And I know you're exhausted trying to do it on your own. Paul says only Christ. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. He said, even today when we start getting into religion, now the veil has gone from here to here. Some of us, we can't even hear the message of Jesus because religion has surrounded our hearts so much that we can't let Christ get in there. He says, hey, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You know what I love about that? That means if you give your heart to Jesus today, if you choose to believe in Jesus today, if you start following Jesus today, the veil is taken away. 
You don't have to come to church for a certain amount of time. You ain't got to go through growth track or join the dream team. Like do all those things because that's how we actually allow opportunities for people to hear this. But listen to me. The second you say, Jesus, I need you in my life, that veil is gone. That expectation is gone. Paul says, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I knew I'd be doing this illustration. I didn't actually try everything on, so let's do it this way. But I had this idea that I would look like this right here. This inappropriate? And then I read that verse that said, Where the Spirit of the Lord is. Because, can I have to be honest, this is right here, this is exhausting. Right? Holding this up hurts my arms. I can't breathe. I feel like I'm wearing the new CDC special mask. It's exhausting. And so when I read Paul said that, he said, Listen, where the Spirit of the Lord is. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. I need this, so I can't throw it yet. There's freedom. Freedom. Freedom to be you. Say, Troy, are you justifying my sin? No, no, no. Don't don't go down that road. I'm telling you that it's freedom to be able to allow Christ to do everything in you, transform you. It's not about you trying so hard anymore. You find freedom in Christ. Amen? Jamal, y'all go ahead and come up here for a second. Because we're going we're gonna to have a little time of, of prayer and worship for a moment. But, but I got two thoughts I want to give you. My first thought... I was, again, imagining myself with this veil, and, and we'll just use it as opposed to the Instagram or the, or the leaf for this moment. And I was thinking about this being all of our filters. Now, I, I, don't, there we go. I, don't, I don't know what your filter is, but I just know this feeling, right? Of, exha- of exhaustion, trying to present yourself as something to somebody, meanwhile just hoping that at some point you'll figure it out. And Scout, you'll like this because you always like this kind of stuff. I started thinking about the removal of a veil. And I was like, if we were still using veils today, which most weddings don't, Scout, answer this for me, and you're on the spot. In the mist You don't remove the veil until you're in the presence of who? Or your husband. He's never been married yet, as y'all can tell. But you remove the veil once you're in the presence of your husband. That's when the veil is removed, right? Right? We are considered the bride of Christ, which would make who your husband? Christ, meaning that the only place where you can have the veil removed is in the presence of Christ. Right here, today, right now, there can be just this moment for you, a freedom of set free. And then I was talking to Darla, because some of you are ready. Some of you are already like, I want it. I'm exhausted. Give me freedom. Jamal, start singing now so I can cry and run around like I need it. But then some of us aren't quite ready yet, and Darla and I were talking about this, and she had been in a Bible study years ago. And there is some symbolism that when Christ died on the cross, there was a veil that was torn. Now, that veil was a veil that would go in between people and somebody who was representing God. 
it was often understood that they could not, they were not worthy to be in the presence of God and these kind of things. So they would go to one side of the veil and then they would talk to somebody who was worthy, who did appear right, and that person would go to God. But Christ, when he came in that new covenant, he said, no longer will you have to go through that to get to God. You'll go straight to God because you are worthy, not because of what you've done. You're worthy because of Christ's death and resurrection. So therefore, when he died, that tail, that veil, sorry, tore. But Darla was in a Bible study, and the person doing the Bible study said that there was some evidence that she was reading that said that some of the religious leaders at that moment were trying to sew the veil back together. I thought that was interesting, because for some reason, I think that's something we keep trying to do. Every time we put on a filter, every time we try to present some type of appearance that's not authenticity, that's us trying to sew back the veil that Christ tore. Can we, let's just stop. Let's just say, you know what, Jesus, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I don't have to be perfect to be used by you. I'm so thankful that I don't have to be perfect to get into heaven. I'm so thankful that you died on a cross and you resurrected for me and the veil was torn and all I gotta do is say I believe in Jesus and I'm saved and I'm given purpose and I'm restored and I'm given direction. Come on, right? So let's quit trying to sew the veil back together and just be excited in the fact that we don't have to put the filter on anymore. Do me a favor, everybody stand right now. Stand right now. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray. Every person in this room, right now I pray for those that do not know you, that they would choose to believe you today. They would choose to follow you today. That they would cry out. Your word says if we believe in our heart, we confess with our mouths, we'll be saved. I pray today they would choose to believe in your salvation and that they would be able to experience the freedom, the freedom that's talked about in 2 Corinthians, the freedom that Paul talks about. And then I pray for every person in here that is saved, that some out of insecurity, some out of the pressure, some out of just a desire to be great for you. I think that needs to be said. Some of us want so bad to be great for God. And I love that passion, but God loves us just the way we are. Keep pursuing Him. Keep chasing Him. Let Him transform you, but don't allow it to condemn you in the process. For every person in here that's exhausted, trying to appear better than they are. Father, what I pray in this place this morning is just a literal atmosphere of freedom. That we'd be able to set free right now some expectation and some guilt, some pressure, some pain that we'd be able to receive the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. Do me a favor. Just kind of put your hands out in the air. Just, just, just however you might do it. Do it with me. Come on, come on, come on. What an opportunity to just let the Lord take that from you, that expectation, that pressure, and you'd be able to receive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, take it in. As you sing this, sit there and receive, receive it, release and receive.